Rockin' and rollin', party people. We getting it started today with Van Halen and an ode to the great Edward Van Halen and his homies from Pasadena, California, Michael Anthony, Alex Van Halen, and David Lee Roth. Welcome back to MMA, BJJ, and life. It's DJ San Marco with my co-host, Dr. Will Wu, the doctor of love and uh, and motion control and learning and our heavy metal bass player jiu-jitsu phenom nick Cazono here with you on a uh tuesday night a balmy tuesday night here in florida october 13th how are you guys i am excellent coach dj you said you would never mess up my discipline name and you said motion control That might be even better. I'm sorry I did that. So Willie Vanilli was able to get me early on. We have a very quick podcast for you tonight. It's going to be 30 minutes or less, probably not less. Why is it so uh, short tonight? Uh, because I got to go on the road for 10 days. So I'm going to get, we are going to get you guys uh, a podcast tonight where basically what's going to happen tonight is my co-hosts, Will and Nick, are going to set the table for what we're going to, whatever we're going to talk about tonight, which actually we began talking about Icarus. Um, And then uh, we have a heavy metal podcast that I'm going to be posting that is uh, by our co-host Nick Cazono and uh, 80s South South Florida 1980s heavy metal guitar player OG Hank Edney. And they talk about Eddie Van Halen, what he meant to them, and the state of heavy metal today and kind of how they got started in the biz. So, Willie Vanilli, where are we starting at tonight, brother? We had, oh, we had yeah. IBJJF to talk about, too. But oh, we, we have about that. Go ahead, and, Go ahead, Nick. I don't know. I mean, I didn't what, – what transpired, though? I, didn't, I don't know exactly for IBJJF, but, I mean, I don't know. I Take it away, Willie. Are you, are you, you say I don't know like what transpired, but I could <laughs> comment on the results. Nick, say, Nick says that like he's not an IBJJF guy. <laughs> Uh, my old instructor from uh California is like um Dan Lucart for Jiu Jitsu. He, yeah, he he knew he knows like everybody in the IBJJF like bracket. He actually used to um before they got bought out or whatever from or before Flow Grappling took over, he did oh. commentary with Budo Jake for like oh, the Olds and Pans and stuff. So yeah, there are some people who did a really good job before uh, the current flow guys, I guess. That was on. my instructor. To, yeah, not to say that they do a bad job now, but there are some really good guys. You know who I really liked a lot, and this is pro- there's probably a division here, was when uh, Henner was doing Metamoris. I, I thought like he was really entertaining yeah. for whatever people think. And He was good. He, uh, yeah, he was really good, he right? He was good, yeah. One of, the, one of the funny things is when you see, when you see flow footage – of two guys and it's a guy that you know and they have their full names on oh, the yeah. scoreboard yeah you're like who and is you're it? like what the, <laughs> who the hell is that i think uh one of the guys in the academy was sending us uh updates of otavio and i saw it and i go i had no idea that his name was anything like that you only know two of his names right yeah hey, <laughs> two of his seven names yeah speaking of otavio uh remember doug callen from uh helson gracie cleveland yes okay. of course yeah he competed against otavio uh in i think the pans i think it was the pans it in was, irvine in irvine i believe right it was he stayed with me and he, he 
in, yeah, who's training with me at, over at Brea Jiu-Jitsu and everything for that week. But yeah, he, he competed against Otavia. Yeah, it's not fair. And what did, it's not what did fair. he say afterwards, Nick? I mean, he was just like, he passed my guard. He mounted me. He's like, I never felt anything like that ever. You know, yeah, I, I mean, he's a professional jiu-jitsu fighter, basically, at going against a guy who teaches at the academy. You know, he's a self-defense teacher. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not really. The, yeah. He was getting into the competitive scene, and he was putting in time, you know, in, yeah. in Cleveland and you know other other and academies stuff like that, and stuff. Yeah. It's just the gap is, you know, you, and he got his black belt like you know a year or so ago before he went in to compete, you know, at that level. So I mean, it would it, was, it would be like putting Otavio against Gordon Ryan in Nogi, you know, it wouldn't go very well. You know, it just there's too much or, of a gap. You know? Or vice versa, or vice versa. <laughs> no, I don't think he. I don't think he would have any problem with Otavio if he were in the gi. Otavio's game is more gi oriented. I never really. Seen I his. sure, but I don't think. I don't think that's gonna. I don't think Gordon Ryan would be stupefied by by him in the gi. But it's just, you know, first of all, he's a lot bigger, so there's what that. You, what do you, you? So you're basing off the size. And okay. oh yeah, he's very strong. His technique. He doesn't really have a hole in his game. He could play bottom. He could play top. You talk he about, could play heel um, hooks. Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan in the gi against Otavio? Yeah, he's yeah. talking about yeah. Cause, Otavio, cause, no gi against Gordon Ryan. No, he's talking about him in the gi, Nick. And oh. TJ has like a ton of data points of Gordon Ryan in I the gi. I don't even know Ryan's game in the gi, <laughs> to be honest. What, what, I don't think anyone does. Yeah. So I don't I don't think know, anyone oh, he's competed in the gi before. I mean, I, am, game? I don't know. I don't remember. I haven't seen in a long time. I haven't looked at him. But uh, I'm sure that he I'm would sure not be stupefied good. by what Otavio's going to do in the gi. Uh, but well, that, knows but again, game in the gi. Yeah, but yeah, yes, it's absolutely. Great. Yeah, he goes I for use, that. Sweet. I use it myself. I still use it. Yeah. Sit up guard. I use that all. Yeah, that's like my go-to. He, he's amazing. Guard. But you know, but uh, you know, Gordon Ryan will sit with you and then he'll take your leg <laughs> from there. And, so, and in um, IBJJF yeah. new rule set. Or Here new we rules. go. Here we go, Willie. What's up, man? Reaping, reaping in the variety of lower leg submissions. What are your thoughts on that, Nick and DJ? Is that a response to okay a new wave? What yeah. is that? Yes. Right now, Nick is thinking about Joe Sanfilippo, who in a Cleveland oh, State Trooper, a a uh, Ohio State Trooper in oh, uh, Cleveland, who is right now going yes. Yes, I can reap the knee. I'm going to heel hook a mother right now because he used to get penalized <laughs> at IBJJF rules tournaments all the time. Right, Nick? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. His, game, beast, his leg man. lock game was so oh, good. Man, I did a he leg lock like private a... with him, Will. He's a brilliant man. Yeah, he was a blue belt with like a brown belt leg lock game. You know, he was a purple belt. Yeah, so but he's, he was, yeah, he's but, celebrating yeah. in the streets like the Laker fans after oh, the Lakers championship. He's like when he when he was a blue belt, he had a brown belt level. Oh yeah, black yeah. game. Yes, so, I mean yeah, he's yeah. a he's probably a black belt right now. Yeah, I'm sure he's a black belt now. He's yeah. a he's a monster. He's definitely a uh, that you want to be on his good side. I will say that to you. You want to be on his good side. I find it very interesting from an academy focus standpoint, relative to what the academies are going to start. Sh- stressing in their curriculums for those academies that actually have curriculums but uh, we come from an academy or at least 
I'm still in the academy, Gracie Baja and DJ was at some point in time where uh, our style of training was, I would say default, would you say we defaulted to IBJJF rule sets yes. relative to competition style training or just kind of training in general? Yes, the focus of the academy was not self-defense like Gracie, like uh, Henner and Huron, I'm in their academy now, and the focus of it is self-defense. There's very little on IBJJF. At our academy, we went through, there was some focus on it, but the main focus was was sport jiu-jitsu. That was when you were at Gracie Baja. Right. Yeah, and there's a, well, there's there's a self-defense component. Mm-hmm. In the fundamental in the fundamentals class, so right? There is oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There, I'm saying the focus, in, you know. Yeah, yeah, and the, there are instructors who are heavily uh, focused on the self de- self defense component at the academy, and like Jesse, the other, yeah, Professor and the, Jesse, and, and yeah, and Les Tate. Professor and so Tate. Yeah. They're very they're very self defense oriented, but I would think I would say when we're live training on a night to night basis, that it's very. IBJJF rules centric. So I just kind of wonder from that perspective, how does, does the curriculum change at all? Because there are, yeah, if you're, if you're a competitive jujitsu school, your curriculum will change. I mean, I'm on, I, I, I like the, um, I'm under the viewpoint or view set of a white belt. You want to teach a white belt, a heel hook, go, you know, I I'm down with that. You know, I think everyone should know, or be exposed to every technique now and everything. So, you know, I don't know, like some, some schools frown upon leg locks cause it's like a cheat move or whatever. But I mean, you have a, you have a MMA guy <laughs> with six months experience and he, he taps your blue belt from a, from a straight ankle lock or an knee bar or something. Cause they don't train, you know, leg locks and it's, it's kind of embarrassing. So and this is coming from a guy that sucks at leg locks too, which I want to get better at them, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think everyone should learn everything, um, regardless if it's a competitive school or not. I know from health when me and DJ trained at Health and Gracie Cleveland, they they showed everything. Like, I mean, white belts are trying to do heel hooks and everything. As long as you know, you know, as long as you tap and everything like that, it was fine. That was mainly, and they were mainly a self defense school. I mean, they no one really competed over there. Only like yeah, a few guys did. Travis and. Like Kevin, like yeah, fifty people. Yeah, Teresa. (laughs) Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, Travis. Yeah, Yeah. maybe Brian Brooks. But Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Shout out to Helson Gracie Cleveland. We love you, man. Cleveland. Love you guys. How many jujitsu academies is that for you guys? For me, it's five. Holy moly! For me, it's just two. I I went from Helson Gracie, uh, you know, all closed guard, you know, uh, old school. Uh, type techniques, no open guard. I was a pro about no open guard at all. And then went to California. It was like to Dan Lucart School in Bray Jiu Jitsu, and it was like all open guard. He's like, you don't know any open guard, and you're gonna like maybe. <laughs> I was like, maybe. He's like, you will get mauled. <laughs> and and, and, and like, what? De La Riva. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But remember, remember, Professor uh, Professor Mark. Um, what's his last Bonic. name? Uh, Mark, Mark Stefanik, our professor there, yeah. our mestre, he used to say uh, if Helson went to a tournament and saw someone playing half guard, he would say, who's that playing half guard? Is that my student? You know, something like that. So he, uh, Mark Stefanik, oh, when, when Helson would come to Ohio, he stayed at Mark's house. 
every time. So he got to know Helson really, really well. So he did, yeah. a, and Mark liked doing impressions. So and oh, Mark so is like a so six funny. foot three, po- long pounds. T- police officer, yeah. and just nice a guy as you want to meet, but um, very intimidating as well. <laughs> it could be very, yeah. If you I had an attitude, yeah. If you had an attitude, he could be very intimidating. But he's super nice. Super yeah. Nice guy. yeah, because we had some very, very tough guys in that school, and Mark had to make sure that they did not have an ego. Too much of an ego went in there, and Mark would make sure that they didn't have an ego. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? We're talking about Nick Gold Eisen. We're talking yeah. about Tom. We're talking about uh, what was that guy's name? Miro. You know, there were oh, several. Never really, I don't know. Well, no, but I'm sure Mark probably. You know, he yeah. took care. He made sure everybody's ego was in check. Wait, are you talking about guys at the academy having egos, and then guys at the academy <laughs> regulating? On people that have egos, yeah. Oh, oh then that, that doesn't happen, right? No, that doesn't happen at all. No, I know Will's never <laughs> had that happen. But that that whole dynamic is so funny, and when you just kind of look at it, it just it just reflects on how we're just animals. Yeah. When you when you break us yeah. down into that type of environment, it's it's safe and you know it's formalized. Um, but Let still, me. The, the, the animal component comes out in our personalities. And can I describe – I want to describe a very particular animal, and Nick will back me up on this. So we had a guy there. Picture a guy with a shaved head, kind of looked like from the neck up like he could have been the head of some sort of a sect of skinheads. Built like – not like real big, so just kind of deep, good muscularity, but like ape-like qualities – of his forearms, his hands, and his flexibility. So his flexibility, he could do like a go-go plata. Oh, like you're talking about, about Goldheisen. Yeah, Nick Goldheisen. Oh, could do, he, he could do a double go-go plata on you like from his guard. Okay? <laughs> All right? And a grip that was like if he grabbed a hold of your wrist, you're not getting <laughs> – you know what I mean? And he was the, an oh, amateur MMA fighter too. Yeah. On top of that, what was yeah. what was his class what, training uh, personality? Um, when he, He's I mean, he would say, man. yeah, he would be like, you know what? We haven't had a good hard roll in this school in a while. Screw that. We're gonna be, ro-. and then you'd roll like for the next. Okay, but you know, again, it was a self defense school, so he knew the curriculum and all that stuff. But the only person at the academy. That could control Nick on the mat. And I'm not saying Mick would like hurt me or anything like that. I'm not saying that. The only person at the academy that could handle Nick was Mark. Is that accurate, Nick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Nick, Nick Goldeisen was one of the, the, the first few that went into that academy. So he was, you know, bred, you know, one of the, the, the guys that were bred, you know, from the beginning oh. of that academy. And then Joe and then Doug as well so tough, yeah nick was like tough he, he was like are those dudes are those dudes still there yes uh, nick had nick fallen is not out yet. with mark okay yeah he's oh no way no way he, he's out. the only one For, but i don't but, know i mean falling he, out in but but, but, but if they had but. like if you had like a wrestler come in there that had you know that was like trying to like double leg and you know and you've heard stories will about a wrestler coming in breaking somebody's ribs like driving through on a double they would just feed that guy to nick and then oh, send, send him on his way. And oh, Nick would just. Yeah. 
and oh. send him on his way in short order. But Nick was like, like oh, that's super nice. intimidating. Like he he had oh. like a low voice. He had mm-hmm. a mild Tourette syndrome. Tourette syndrome, so he like, yeah. He just <laughs> like grunt. Yeah, he just grunt like. Jeez. Yeah, and he was just like, I mean, he looked like an MMA fighter. I it mean, sounds like, like you guys are just piecing this guy together. Oh god, You're just he, like taking things that would just petrify people. Yes, like a little part. Yes. just yes. forming one person. That's kind of that's who he was. Yes, I mean, who he? I mean, you know, super nice guy. He never really like he he was just like he was practicing move on me when I was a white boat. He's like, dude, you look really scared right now. And I'm like, oh, I am. I am scared. <laughs> Yeah, he oh didn't. He he didn't do anything to. He didn't do anything to to He's to bother me. Yeah, but if you were gonna do something or you came in the academy like like that, like I said, um, you would they'd send you on your way real quickly. So there were some very very tough guys in there. So that's and awesome. is the academy growing because that mentality or the tone of an academy i think is very indicative of how much it will grow i yeah, think it's, that, it's they moved locations and they're they went to a bigger spot now triple the size yeah they have i went i mean every time i go back to ohio you know to visit my family usually during christmas i'll go there and you know do an open mat or class so i'll, I'll go there a couple times when i'm there and there's like brand new guys that are just like wiping the floor with me there's a brown belt that i rolled with he, he was just like throwing me around like nothing couple blue belts were beating my butt up too that were you know that were just you know you were guys there they were just better than me when i'm a purple belt so yeah <laughs> but you know they, they, they still they have and then they have you know they're the guys that i've known there before and that dj knows as, a, as well and they're all there just like you know ron's still there just beating people up miro's oh like man ron brown belt no he like ron he ron was, like, was the one that beat me up the most i would say of anybody there so Fellow Air Force yeah, guy. Yeah, was but... just like, he just, oh, he had his way with me. I was just like, he like, uh, very side arm barred me. I was just like, was super, this is like a 220 pound guy. Just like, very powerful. Very physically powerful. he just powerful. like out finessed me. And how, know, much, and how much do you weigh? Bar. How much do you weigh, Nick? Uh, all 140. Uh, 140. Yeah. At that time. <laughs> oh I'm, 100, I'm 130 right now. I'm, I'm assuming, really right now. I'm assuming they're adapting their role to. He's cutting the fight, Demetrius. You know what? I don't want to make the whole show about Helson Gracie <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cleveland of course. Uh, because I don't want to bore everybody to tears. But, Will, you actually asked a question in the beginning that I thought was really interesting that we didn't answer. But I want to Here ask – yeah. yeah, but I want to ask you that question back to you, which is do you think uh, – what do you think caused IBJJF to change the rule set? I'm hoping that they're just evolving. That would be the best thing because you have so many organizations, established organizations, new organizations, maybe the popularity of Noki, uh, the current guys who are the most popular, like bring up Gordon Ryan before, um, and all these other guys that are doing those types of techniques and submissions. Maybe they just see that it's time to evolve a little bit. And from what I understand, my history of jujitsu, it's been, it's been, kind of deemed as a dirty a dirty technique in the past and so maybe it's just evolution survival um, adapting to the times i hope that's it i can't imagine that it's anything else uh, nick brought up the thing about you know new new academy members learning it i just that that's all how the instructors and how all the training partners 
it's all the tone that they set. If you're careful with them, if you are very, um, if you highlight the importance of certain reactions and positions or whatnot, then it can, then it can be safe, right? It's, an, it's just, an, it's time to be instructional. And, you know, as always, you take care of your training partners. And so from a training standpoint too, I was just like, all right. I mean, and then there's also levels. I mean, at our academy, what can, like you just start with a kid's academy and the kid's academy, you can't do certain neck chokes or you can't do any neck chokes like when you start out as a kid. And then as you get older and as you get better, you start to titrate in different types of techniques. And it could be the same way for adults, but I think it's, uh, you know, like they say, it's the other half of the body. Um, it's a quote from Dean Lister. Why, yeah, why, uh, why, why touched uh, John Danahar, why ignore 50% of the body? Yeah. You know, and John Danahar heard that and he's like, hmm, good point. Cause he was brought up in the, I think, um, Henzo Gracie, Gracie system yeah. system and they really didn't dabble in too much leg locks and then you know Dean Lister came in said that quote and he's just like mm, very very opportunistic because you have yeah. people that are ignoring it it's either illegal in some organizations thought of as dirty and then all of a sudden you concentrate it on and develop it and then you have these outlets um through Eddie Bravo's uh Eddie Bravo's EBI. organization, EBI, where yeah. it can be highlighted and you're so far advanced compared to people who were just kind of ignoring it or maybe only teaching their students very fun or very basic components of it. And they just really fast forwarded. But the cool thing now is you see those guys at, you know, like the Don the Donahair squad is they'll take your back and choke the crap out of you. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they went just as much as they'll rip your leg off. Blocks. Yeah. And so back they've tape. evolved. Yeah, they've evolved too, but one of the things is they they were able to jump out in front of it where people when people were ignoring it. So, um, so you guys didn't get to hear this off air, but we started into a debate that Will said, "Get the recording going, man, because people you know want to hear this." And and so I'm gonna throw it out there because we were talking gi versus no gi. We mentioned Gordon Ryan, somebody who I'm not a quote uh, off the mat, not a fan on the mat, definitely a fan. Um, and so we were talking about one of our instructors from Helsing Gracie, Cleveland, who trained up a little bit to go to the worlds and fight Otavio Souza. Now I, I'm sorry, the pans. And I only know Otavio from three, four years ago, three years ago when I three years ago when I lived in, not even three years ago when I lived in California. So I don't know what he's I don't know what he's trained today. For all I know, he could have spent the last year with Dean Lister in San Diego training leg locks. So Doug from our academy in Cleveland, who's been teaching self-defense his entire life, um, then going and getting ready to training for pans and going and getting being in a bracket with Otavio Souza is a total mismatch. Otavio Souza in a gi against traditional gi guys is an absolute nightmare at like a welterweight. I mean, you are going to get, he is just very explosive, very powerful, very athletic. And, experience and factor too. Very, right very experienced. He knows so, what to do right from the jump. World champion. And, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, multiple world. And so now we're saying, well, what would happen if Gordon Ryan put the gi on and went, and I, I posed this theory and, and fought, Otavio Souza in IBJJF rules in the gi. And I said, I think 
you know, Otavio would be in trouble uh, just because of the fact of, first of all, Gordon Ryan would know what he's going to do. He has enormous size. Uh, there still are leg attacks that he can do, and his setups are going to work for a straight ankle lock uh, or an Achilles lock or a foot lock exactly the way that he's going to use it in a heel hook. It's just that he's going to go for it a lot more than somebody who's traditionally IBJJF. So I don't think he would have any problem taking care of Otavio just based on he's a lot bigger and he knows a lot more powerful. He has trained and competed in the gi and he knows what to expect. And for sit-up guard, that's like, what? huh? Oh, no. That's, that's you like just, gravy. You so. just mispronounced guard. Man, you're mishearing me. I know how to say guard. <laughs> All right. Take it away. Well, I know, Will, I know you're just okay. – Will's like <laughs> – Go ahead, Nick. I'll have Will do the last mm -hmm. day, but Okay. But I'm, I'm pretty familiar with uh, Octavia's uh, um, a game because I, I use it myself. And I mean, the setup grab's great. I mean, there are a lot of footage – on what Octavia does now. I don't know if he still does the same sort of system that he did years ago to win championships. I mean, there's tape on him to know combat to combat his guard that Gordon Ryan could do. The thing is, I don't think Gordon Ryan, he's all technique. Like his athleticism isn't really that great. He's just a slicker. He's strong. I'm not denying that he's strong. He is, but his athleticism, like his takedowns, his explosiveness, it's it's not that great. Like there's other guys that have better explosion than him, and I think Octavia has that. Maybe not now because he's a little older, but like in his prime and Octavia's prime, mm -hmm. yeah, he was he was definitely the better athlete out there. So, uh, I I think it's a pretty even match. I, the grips, the grip sort of game, you know, um, might be an issue for for um Gordon Ryan grip game. So I mean, Octavia Souza likes to play the double double uh, hook grip on the on the sleeves and everything, and you know he'll go from you know collar to collar to uh, wrist, same sides for omoplata triangle, and then he'll switch to you know sit up guard and his his attacks on that, and he probably has obviously new stuff as well that he's been working on. So I I think it's more even than DJ says. Now, if what I'd be surprised is. <laughs> Would I be surprised if uh, Gordon Ryan just, you know, just smokes Octavia Souza? No, obviously not. Well, but you would have to be surprised because you just made the case that he wouldn't. So I would hope you'd be surprised. Go ahead, Will. <laughs> I only think it's an argument because of the weight discrepancy or weight class discrepancy. If if we go, I'll get back to I'll get back to Octavia and Gordon Ryan. But if we had the argument of let's say Buchesha and and Gordon Ryan in the gi, then it's it's an easier argument for the gi, for the key athlete. Right. But then now you have a discrepancy between weight, which is a cool, I think, which is a cool debate or a cool way of looking at it because Otavio is, is a middleweight in um, in gi jiu-jitsu and Gordon Ryan would be what? Oh, he's like a, heavy, he's, yeah, he's a light, or, light heavyweight now at least. Yeah, or, or, something or, like or heavyweight, heavy? right? Because yeah. he was going to fight, he was going to fight for Brice over Doom. Yeah, and no so yeah, and so and so that makes it really interesting because you go jujitsu is all about right. That's the typical. It's how do small guys become victorious? 
And then the other thing that I would layer on top of that, it also have to do with a little bit of rule set. And if you get Otavio in a traditional IBJF point style rule set, that's a ton of experience and competition knowledge there. And I, you know, within the key, you can control so much more and movement is so much less, mm-hmm. right? So if you can control movement a lot, that's going to be very advantageous and you know how to control movement. And I just think that Otavio would, he's so, he's going to be so uncanny, be so experienced, so skilled. He's going to be able to find his spots where he can be safe and at least. In a decision? Yeah, or decision or draw, right? Where it's okay, nothing's happening. He's yeah. going to know how to lock him down to where he stays. He doesn't lose. At and the going to Ryan's not an explosive athlete. He's more, he's all t- to me. Well, like when, when I see Gordon Ryan, I, I'm glad that you brought up the term athletic because if we're having this conversation, um, I don't like that term as a, as a motor control learning pre- person because okay. I think Gordon Ryan is athletic, but if we don't use that term and we get into more details about how That's he fair. moves, he, you're right. His speed power is not, he's not elite. Is, yeah. Elite. It's not, it's not the best right in jujitsu, but his mobility in his the way his, his movement style is really good. Yeah. And yeah, and he's a point DJ's pointing to his brain. I think what those dudes have and what Donna uh, yeah, does yeah. really well. Yeah, is the intelligence and stuff. What I hate a lot about a lot of a lot of MMA fighters is how they execute how they develop strategy and how they execute strategy um, in a match. And they seem to execute, they seem to develop good strategies. And then not only develop good strategies, the other half is being able to execute them. Um, well, so I do like, I do think Gordon Ryan isn't this just this big oaf that's no. out muscling. Oh, no, 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 no way. But he's not speed power Jordan Burroughs. Like, no way there either. But when you watch him, when you watch him roll, his mobility and how he moves, just his general movement, just his general movement is really, really good. There was a there was a time when I think I thought and a lot of people thought and said that um you know what these guys are just and it was in the EBI to now they've kind of branched out. There's um give me the names of the other terms. There's flow grappling, but there's also over in it's England, Polaris. Polaris, Polaris, you know, there's yeah. a lot of other tournaments. A lot of fight now. to win stuff, yeah. Right. But but at one point it was really just they became famous because he came in as a replacement and then won EBI. Uh, and then he won the next one and the next one. And he just kept winning EBIs. And um, he was accused of being just a, a leg lock guy. If he wasn't heel hooking you or leg locking you enough, then all of a sudden he started to show a whole different game where he's triangling people and arm barring people and taking people's back and winning from those other positions. And, and um, so it's on that basis that I think uh, I see that his game is far more developed than I think some people, me included, thought it was. And um, I don't think, um, first of all, like I said, he can set up, he can use his same setups uh, and leg lock you without heel hooking you, even in IBJJF rules. And if you're going to play sit up guard with him, um, you know, <laughs> he's just beaten so many different types of guys. I mean, the litany. Of guys, what were the some of the that one guy Felipe? Who was the guy who beat him in that gym match that they had Felipe down? Pena. Felipe Pena. He beat in mm-hmm. that studio um, 
What's that Studio Five? Five forty or five? Yeah, Studio yeah. Five Forty, where they had that match. I guess Gordon was sick, and he was really pissed off. And he came back and he wiped the mat with uh, with Felipe Pena in a rematch for that one. Um, and so, yeah, he's he's a monster. But you and I, yeah. you know, and I'm sorry, Nick. We had this big debate about, and Nick. I would love to hear your answer on this because we only have about uh, five minutes left, six minutes left. Um, uh, Will po- uh, postulated this one time we were on the phone. He said, who is the better grappler overall? Is it the gi guys or the no gi guys? And he was arguing one way. I was arguing the other. So what's your thoughts on this? I was arguing the right way, Nick. DJ was arguing <laughs> yes, the wrong way. Yes, let's get that. Let's get that out there up front. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, grappler is such a broad term, right? You know, if you're if you're a jujitsu guy, you say grappler and and everything. The best usually it's in the gi. You know, the gi has more of that prestige sort of uh, persona or view than like the no gi is kind of lower. Well, I don't know. I mean, that I'm from. uh, uh, My main interest was MMA before going into jujitsu. I tend to. I don't know. I tend to view the nogi game a bit higher based on the fact that um, it's just it's more applicable, you know, for a real life situation and everything like that. So, like, like an oh anime. come on, so. Nick, that's so, <laughs> so come on. It's like say say you're on the say you're just walking and you know you got Bushesha, which you know. Or whoever's the top, you know, IBJJF guy right now. I don't know who it is currently, but I mean, say it's like Bushesha or whatever, and then he runs into Gordon Ryan. They're not wearing a gi. Like, how's it going to go down? You know, if Gordon Ryan's the, the best gi guy, then, you know, you're not going to travel around with your gi in your. <laughs> hey, Nick, don't be intimidated by his degree. But, don't I be mean, intimidated because he's a, he's a PhD. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But the creativity you, you, in the gi game and the, the artistic, you know, freedom that you have in the gi you could do a lot more so it's it's it's, See, it's fun. You do a lot less tj is already setting this debate up for a lot because he only gave five minutes and nick took about four and a half minutes. <laughs> know, right, right, right. <laughs> okay ahead, i yield ahead, the balance of my time to the senator from irvine <laughs> <laughs> i would i would more look at it this way if you're talking about buchesha and gordon ryan they're walking down the street like who's gonna who's gonna win I'm gonna say Gordon Ryan's obviously gonna win. If you look at the last, did they fight in the last? They, ABCC? Did, they did fight. Yeah, they fight in the last. Yeah, ABCC. And it really wasn't. It wasn't really a. Super I didn't see it. I didn't know what happened. It's there. It wasn't really super it's from like 2019 match. or something. Yeah. Who won? And Gordon Gordon Ryan dominated. Gordon Ryan won. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. to the point where I think uh, Buchesha went for uh, a lower leg submission, and then they were just kind of laughing at each other, like, "Really?" It was almost <laughs> kind of like that kind of that kind of dynamic going on, but. I would also look at it as okay. I give it to you. Gordon Ryan's going to win that, and he's already had he already has won it. But you want to be able to look at the discrepancy, right? Because Bouchesha is a gi specialist. I'm doing air quotes here. Does that mean he lacks any ability or lacks a high level ability to do no gi, right? So I think the discrepancy between Bouchesha's Bouchesha's um, no gi is smaller than it would be if Gordon Ryan went to Gi, right? There would be a bigger discrepancy. Would Gordon Ryan get his butt kicked? I don't think so. But would Bouchesha dominate the Gi more so than Gordon Ryan would dominate the no Gi? Then I'm saying yes, right? Um, And then, I mean, there's always that argument 
there's always that argument with, oh, you train in the gi, what happens like in a street fight, you're not going to have your gi or whatever. And I think Keenan Cornelius says this uh, really well is if you're a good gi player, you're going to know how to, you're going to know how to, you're going to know how to take care of yourself in a street fight. And you're going to know that you're not going to invert in a street fight. You're, gonna, you're not going to bear and bow somebody. Right. I think people <laughs> I think like that's take a, some that, of these. I think that's specialized, a People take some of these specialized techniques that you do for sport jujitsu to gain advantages, not the, not the point advantage, but the strategic advantage. Um, and people use these techniques against jujitsu gi players and say, oh, you're going to do that in a street fight? Well, uh, of course not. You won't do that. But all the basic things that you might need to do in a street fight, controlling distance. Oh, go ahead, DJ. Well, I don't I don't want to bring in like really elementary BS arguments for people that don't know anything about jujitsu because yes, obviously uh your garden variety gi jujitsu guy can defend himself or herself in the street. And I wouldn't even enter anybody that would bring that up, I would just say, Okay, that person really is not intelligent about jujitsu. So let's Similar, entertain. So wait, 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 wait. I got to pause for a second. So that strategy, I'm going to, I'm going to needle you a little bit because DJ sure. and I were having a conversation this morning and I took that same approach and philosophy and strategy to a different topic that we were discussing about this morning, DJ. Do you remember? It was, was political McGregor? in nature. No, it was political in nature. Oh, I don't remember what it was. Okay. never mind. Okay. Just move on. I just wanted to poke you a little bit. Yeah, no. I mean, somebody that would bring that up, you know, I, yeah, they don't really know that much about jiu-jitsu. Obviously, there are different levels. There's people that specialize in self-defense jiu-jitsu. We've already alluded to that. Uh, Helsin Gracie jiu-jitsu, the, you know, our school is all self-defense uh, for the most part. If you're in a position on the ground and you're not protecting yourself from getting hit in the face, uh, then they're gonna, you know, they're gonna say, "Hey, you know, you need to, you need to be controlling distance." Blah blah blah. That's not important. But the point is, if we're talking about all of jujitsu, kind of came around as a self-defense, as a method or a uh, an art form that could protect a smaller person against a bigger person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's where you and I had the big argument about gi versus no gi and so i think i don't i don't necessarily favor I, one over the other but i think that it uh we were saying well who's the best grappler is it gordon ryan the no gi guy or is it the gi guy so you know that's yeah, i think i said gordon ryan's the best no gi grappler right i like the yeah. claim from will though i mean it, it it you could you could still you know the the would have the answer is still in limbo because say Gordon Ryan goes to the worlds in the gi and just like wipes everyone out. Mm -hmm. You have a claim that, okay, he could be the best. Or if say Bushesha went to, you know, EBI and, and uh, ADCC mm -hmm. and just wiped everyone in no gi, including Gordon Ryan or, and everything. Well, that's say, been proven here. And he didn't, I know, but say, I'm yeah. just hypothetically saying, right. yeah, like if the best gi guy went into, you know, the best no-gi competitions like ADCC and, and EBI and anything else, you know, under that umbrella. And this, this guy just wipes everyone. You could say, yeah, that's a good claim to say like, hey, you have these two big categories, the gi and no-gi. And if 
one guy transitions over the next and just wipes everyone out, you have a claim. You have a pretty legit claim that they yeah, but, or that person is. But here's uh, yeah, but the, here's the thing. First of all, they, they haven't. So and yeah, I'm here's just an saying, extension. Experimenting, like, but here, here's an extension of that. Here's an extension of that. Nick and DJ is that Bushesha has qualified and competed in multiple ADCCs, mm-hmm. no gi matches. But what about Gordon Ryan at the gi level? Yeah. No, I think I think what's the pure expression of grappling? Is it with a gi or is it without a gi? I think that's the question I'm asking. Because if it's for self-defense, then by extension it has to be without a gi. Because the Gracies are trying to we're trying to teach you to defend yourself without all that. So if no gi grappling, I would think, is a better I think, representation. I think of that. if it's self defense, if it's self defense, you're prepared for anything. So if it's self defense, you're going to use if a guy, you guys lived in Cleveland, Ohio, or Ohio, I'm sure that people aren't walking around with their shirts off all the time. Or if it's they're going to get in a fight in the dead of winter, they're not going to strip down to their underwear and go and go, let's fight. And so self-defense is not necessarily what's going to match an MMA scenario, right? Where you, you're stripped down and you're sweaty and all that. I mean, how many fights are going to last on a street fighter are going to last to where someone is drenched in sweat and blood and super slippery. Yeah. So for me, self-defense, it's not, it's not a no gi gi thing. It's a, can you fight in any circumstance or defend or defend yourself in any circumstance. And that's going to require a gi if it's if the guy's wearing a heavy jacket cuz to ignore a heavy jacket that's to your decrement in a self-defense situation. Just like would it be do I think we come from when we you and I were training together uh DJ it was primarily gi training. But mm-hmm. did we do no gi? Sure. Obviously we did no gi, right? So are is the academy and is the curriculum preparing us for multiple situations absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so i don't i it's a false argument if if they're saying no gi is more self-defense because you know you're not going to have a gi on and i'm going to say well you're not going to be sweaty and bloody with Good. just your underwear Point. on when you're fighting yeah. well it depends on where you live so but remember the art form was developed in rio where rio it's basically summertime all year round the, well, sun, the, the temperature vacillates between like 79 and 89 degrees. You're right. It depends on where you live. But mm-hmm. when you operate in self-defense in the real world, you don't say, I'm only going to defend myself in warm weather climates. No, that's absolutely. I mean, there's definitely – I could definitely see the application of a lot of different chokes that you would use collars and jackets. I mean, and in fact – my professor here has talked about that. Uh, I went and did a, a little seminar with him, and he was telling him, hey, you know, this is how you could use a jacket and things like that. So, no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm just uh, trying to figure out what's the, the purest expression of grappling. You're getting all philosophical on me, man. <laughs> well, there's – when you it's say hard to, it's hard to nav- It's hard to answer that. Just well, okay, you know, so, you, so you guys would not people be – have. DJ, it's that I think your question has to be narrowed or a little bit has to be focused. It depends on what the goal is, because when initially when you say grappling, 
I'm just I'm thinking of an ADCC style tournament mm-hmm. where it's submission wrestling to, mm-hmm. to an extent. But then there's grappling and self-defense. And then you can include grappling. Jiu-jitsu is, gi jiu-jitsu is a form of grappling. So I really think you, you have to look at what the goal is for each of them and say, and if you want, you can tally it up, right? You can tally it up and say, okay, we tallied all up all the different situations and it's better that, that gi is, is better than no gi. Um, you could do it that way. But I, I don't think without any direction to what the goal or what the, you know, in motor control, we say, what are, what is the task characteristic? It's hard to, it's this debate that's nebulous and really hard to, to discuss. I, I, I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint what grappling means. Like you have to define that. And in order to define that, and then you could find the answer for that. But just to say pure grappler, it's open to interpretation. Like all three of us, when you think of pure grappling, obviously we all have a different view on that. So mm-hmm. when you're trying to, you know, find the, an answer to that question where there's only which the definition of grappling isn't even sort of has a consensus between at least us three, you know, it's hard to find that answer. It's hard to, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint is why do you fight? Right. If you just go back and say you fight for to conquer or defend, and then you start from there and you go, what prepares you for that? The best is it, the gi, which has a variety, a variety of more complexities and techniques associated with it, or is it going to be something like no gi, which depends a little bit more on controlling the body rather than some fabric, and is going to have some scrambling where speed power is going to be a big component. Well. I was going to bring up, uh, name me, Nick, help me out with some names here. Remember the MMA fighter, uh, the guy who's a uh, IBJJF black belt? The guy's like ripped like crazy. Is his name? Oh, it's uh, um, Rodolfo. Yeah, Rodolfo. Yeah, Rodolfo Vieira. Do you remember who's the guy from Gracie Baja that he fought, Will, who has a brother? Is it Victor? There's one guy named Victor, and what's the other guy's name? Oh, it's Victor Estima and, and Braulio. Yeah, and Braulio. Estima. Did you ever see okay, that okay. match between Vieta and Braulio? Where Braulio, he was doing like it's a Braulio. Gi match? Yeah, it was a gi match where Braulio was doing that worm guard. And he basically stalled, just tried to wrap his arms up with that, like for the entire match with the worm guard. I think it might have gone to Vieta on points, but man, it was just brutal to watch there was like no offense there i mean it was all defense and never was really trying to attack i think that's what makes it uh now granted i understand like he was like well i don't want to lose you know so i get it you know why he did that but um it wasn't very compelling from a uh standpoint the same thing with uh 50 50 you got two guys going to 50 50 yeah, except Instead Ryan Hall taps you from there. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, different. but like you get guys that are equal in that position. Yeah. And obviously not everyone's Ryan Hall, but you get 50-50. It's just like sweep, sweep, sweep. You just <laughs> pump your leg. And like my instructor, you know, Dan Lucart's like, all right, you're going to play 50-50. You got to know the clock. It's like, all right, you sweep. You get on top. The guy sweeps you. He's going to inevitably sweep you back. You get back on your back. And you have to look. It's like, all right. 
you look at the numbers like he has one he has one you know you have two the other guy has two and you you wait for the last like 30 seconds and go for three your... to three and then yeah. boom you hit it and then you and then, and then boom you, you just stick it you know you hold a position and you win by a point it's like that's the same i mean i don't know but that that's yeah. a skill that's a skill it is you yeah. need to operate it, within, within that style of point environment you can't take that you can't take no. that away from people he was trying to say that too it's like you know you have to be weary of the clock and how many points you're down by and potentially points that you could get just from you know sweeping somebody or getting position and then going for it when the time is right i do like your question dj is with the overall question about grappling right what is the what is the best what is the best form of it no and purest think, form. I didn't say pure, best. Sorry, because they sorry, both purest. have a function. They're both yeah, functional. Purest, correct. Yeah, uh, purest form. And we've had this argument several times, and I haven't changed. I haven't changed my opinion of what that is. And I think it's better to start from. It's better to know a more complex skill, and then move to a simpler skill. It, that's how. That's how we prepare from. A variety of training standpoints from just straight training strength and conditioning or physiology training you want the competitive environment to be easier than than uh, the training environment right to prepare you for it same thing when we're handling skill related training we want to create complexities that are that exceed the demand of the competitive environment and so when i look at gi and no gi there are so many complexities associated with gi. And I would say, maybe it's not, maybe you don't agree as the purest form. I would put it in the standpoint of that's the base foundational one that I would start with. I'm saying my, my opinion may be, be formed right now. I'm open to, to new ideas about this. So I'm not trying to say, oh, I, I'm not going to be like America is now and say, oh, I'm this and that's all I'm ever going to be. And it doesn't matter what you say. That's what I think. So I'm listening to you. I'm hearing you. And I'm even hearing Nick. Yeah. To go even though he's not Will playing said. bass right now. Right. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> for, for, to go along with Will said, though, you know, I think the, I'll say this. This is kind of a blanket statement, but I think there could be some truth to it. I mean, I think if, if someone starts off in the gi and transitions to no gi, they'll have a better transition. Like they could adapt better. But vice versa, say you did no gi for a year or two and then went, try to go back to gi or trying to get into the gi, it's a harder transition. I've seen guys, you know, MMA, no gi guys trying to put the gi on and then, you know, they're about, you know, blue belt, me, pro belt level. And, you know, they're getting caught in like simple collar chokes just because they're not, <laughs> they're not. They're just not used to it. Even Mark, you know, from Kelson Gracie, Cleveland, Stefanik would say, hey, you know, like, you're great, but yeah, we'll just, you know, it's going to take some time to get used to, you know, these chokes from the gi, the grips. I think it's, so if you're already used to these grips and everything with, you know, the hook grip on the sleeve and the collar grip and the pant grip, and you transition into a no-gi situation, it's an easier transition overall. Now, if you're someone like Gordon Ryan or a phenon like that, you can make those transitions all day because you have just a vast sort of knowledge on just grappling in general. But for, you know, someone that trains three, four times a week and everything, I think they'll have a harder time to transition from the no-gi to gi game. 
and vice Nick, versa, I think it'd be easier. Nick, DJ and I have a high quality data point for what you just described. Okay. Brent Littell. Exactly. All right. So, all right. Let me let me contextualize this real quick because we got to get out of here. Uh, Brent <laughs> Brent Littell was an Eddie Bravo black belt, phenomenal guy, and came over to Gracie Baja and wanted to earn his black belt in a gi from our professor Gracie Baja, the great Felipe de la Monica, and he did just that. And when I say he earned it, I mean he got to know grips so well. Um, he was an expert at a, every, had a reason behind every single time he grabbed your gi or your kimonos, we would say in Brazil on any part of it, he had a reason for that grip and he, uh, worked through this scientifically. So, uh, we love Brent. Brent owns an academy now under the Hibeto brothers, right? Where is it? No. Yeah. No, I think, the uh, coronavirus uh, might've killed he it. sold it. Yeah. I think he's, he, uh. COVID mm -hmm. hit him, and then um, I think it, he might have sold it to someone else. Somewhere. Where is he training now? I don't know. He's amazing. I I, we'll have him on the podcast because I love me some Brent Littell. He's yeah. witty. Well, he has an acerbic a... wit and humor. So <laughs> He's an exception, well, though. I TJ. think for the, for the yeah, average grappler, I, yeah. I think it's a harder transition. We got to get out of here, guys. He's, he's a UCLA grad. Whatever, oh. dude. I don't think he. I don't think he did his post grad work there. Then, all right. So, we are MMA BJJ in life. We are Nick Cazono, Doctor Will Wu, and DJ San Marco. We're gonna tease the next episode. Don't forget to tease the next. episode. We are gonna tease the next episode. But before I do that, you guys wanted to talk about McGregor Khabib today because uh, something oh. that I had teased for you guys a while oh. ago. I and Nick, you and I have discussed this, and I said. I don't care what Dana says or what you hear on, on Bloody Elbow or MMA fighting. He will not give McGregor a shot again. And then Khabib came out and said it himself when they were teasing. Not only is it ridiculous to even tease that, they, that he would give McGregor a shot, it's even more ridiculous to think he'd spend six weeks with them in the Ultimate Fighter house with oh, this gosh. group of Irish yeah. guys facing yeah. off with the Dagestani guys. <laughs> That is so absurd. <laughs> Nick, take it away. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, the type of guy Khabib is. Like, he doesn't care about, you know, the cameras and, and this. You know, he, he's a he, he's a private guy and everything. So why putting him in a house with, with a bunch of just, you know, up-and-coming fighters and then you have, you know, the entourage of McGregor there just egging you on and harassing you. Oh, God. He's like... No. And did I not tell you a year ago that that I said I don't care how much the UFC offers him, it could be a billion dollars. I yeah. I must have said that at least a year ago. I said he's oh, not yeah. going to fight McGregor again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy's not starving for money. He he's 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 good financially. So it's just it's more about you know the legacy and and having fights that he wants to do like uh you know like a tony or you know obviously a gagey and everything like that then i mean here it is the mcgregor thing it's like he doesn't he care less about the numbers for ufc will Wu, how much love do you got for kabizzle oh man that's it what i call Khabib. On, it just keeps on <laughs> cool adding like how how much how much i uh i like his approach to how he's doing it you know about how I, how much I love how he executes. He sticks to his strength. He sticks to his strengths um, at what he does in the cage. And then when I saw 
his quote come up about the uh, the UFC reality show. What the what the heck is that thing called? Ultimate Fighter. Ultimate Fighter. And I saw that quote. I was like, that guy is so money because he doesn't care about the crap, which is the money and the fame and the perception or anything. And I love the fact that he goes, why would I do that? Why would I, why would I let him either make himself into this bigger, this bigger perceptual persona or whatever it be, whatever it be, be the money thing. And like you said, DJ, when people were saying, oh, he's all he's going to do it because there's going to be too much money. He basically said, this yeah. is what I make of your money. Yeah, you can kiss my, yeah. When people say that they have religion and family as their priorities, 99.9% of the time, it's a crock of shit, right? But this guy, he means it. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't care about care. the money. No. He absolutely doesn't care about it. It's his family and it's his religion, or I don't know what, maybe it's a reverse order, but the money thing is not in, not an issue. He need, it, he's like, seems like the guy where he needs enough. He's not yeah. gloating around. He's fine with what right? he has. Exactly. He's, he's a very, he's rare to see. He's a very, very complex person. And when we get to actually, we're probably, we'll try to have an episode where we preview he and Gaethje. I'm going to be on the road from tomorrow the 14th till the 24th the day they fight uh oh, we're wow. gonna we're gonna try we might be able to get in an mma episode on the road so i'll DJ, see about that yes sir dj is he complex person or well, is he just a simple he's, he's no actually this simple. is okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna touch on this really quick and we really got to get out of here because i have to go <laughs> Be- khabib while on the one hand there he is very simple in that he loves his family he loves his religion you don't see his wife and his kids on you know on social media and things like that okay um he has uh, nuzzled up to a chechenian uh leader uh, uh ramzan kadyrov ramzan kadyrov who has denied uh human rights in uh basically seeking out uh, to deny gay people uh, their rights, okay? Um, that's something that a lot of people have a problem. And it basically, he's, I mean, his, his, he's the head of the Chechenian Republic, if you want to call it that. So it's sort of like a state within Russia, if you will. And now, Kareem Zidane, who has written critically about everyone and anyone and has a particular connection to the muslim world and understands better than i do now he's he's from egypt but he's muslim and he understands that the situation between states neighboring states dagestan and chechnya that there is a political pressure that if he's invited uh after the fight uh to come to an akmat fight club event which he was to come and meet with uh, fighters from the states like Mike Tyson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When he's invited, they feel that there is a state responsibility on Khabib to show up there. So for me to say, okay, Khabib, I don't like you because you're against gay rights, that would be a little bit short-sighted and not taking into uh, understanding the, the total yeah the yeah. political realm in which he lives and his father saying. Khabib, you know, maybe if Ramzan invites you there, you need to go. 
I don't know how he feels about Kad- Kadyrov gave him I, a Mercedes after the last I, fight. I'll say this as well, like apart from the political sort of climate that he lives in and the obligations that, you know, he's kind of almost forced to sort of play with. Um, he has has he's had some Instagram or social media posts that kind of, you know, reveal a lot of his sort of moral stances on some things. For example, there was a play I think in Dagestan that kind of was was kind of exotic, not really exotic, but they had like female sort of uh, act, you know, actors sort of revealing maybe belly dancer know, type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was against it. Like straight up, and it was, and it was more, and it seemed like a play that was very, you know, artistic and had a message and everything. And then he also had a post about, you know, uh, Dagestani or some sort of Middle Eastern uh, hip hop concert that went on in his home country, and he was vehemently against it. So it's just like he has this sort of moral code that might rub the wrong, you know, people the wrong way, especially you know, millennials and everything like that. That you know. it, it, it adds some sort of complexity to him as well, as far as his morals and, and everything like that. So, you know, it could be viewed as a bit, you know, sexist potentially and everything like that. So he has that going on. So I'm not fully on board with Khabib overall in regards to that. Cause I think, you know, his, some of, some of his moral sort of stances don't really line up with how, what I sort of view. But, you know, I like the fact that, you know, he's grounded in his religion and his family and everything like that, but within fighting and but in regards to outside of that, it's a little it's a little shaky. Will, will you get the last word, my friend? <clears throat> that so DJ referred me it was the bloody elbow. Uh, was it a bloody elbow? Kareem Zidane. That, yeah. Yeah. That outlined the geopolitical mm-hmm. events that entailed this whole convoluted story that he's in. And for us to be able to sit here as Americans, I mean, for the most part, if you, if you travel worldwide, we have it really nice here in the US, regardless of, oh, yeah. regardless of the current situation that we're in relative to other countries, we have it really nice. And so I think what happens when we've been in this environment for a long time, we don't understand what's going on in war-torn nations, nations where they war over their different, they have their religious beliefs, um, a devout, right? A devout belief yeah. and affective behavior in the scriptures that they read. In the US, we will talk about people being religious but in terms of their ability to follow the bible it's something completely different right in other situations religions and cultures they are devout with their scripture and so i think there's this sometimes we're not able to recognize and understand that because it's just our it's our u.s culture and And it's not to say that and it's not to say that i agree or disagree with it because I haven't, I haven't made that stance yet. But I think the first thing that you have to do is say, is say, what is how what what cultural social cultural environment is that person living in to be able to understand why it is they are like that. And and by the way, for those of you at home that didn't get to see it, Will was doing some of his best 
Bill Clinton hand gestures that he was very effectively speaking with. Great job, Will. I love the Clinton. The Clinton <laughs> affectations were absolutely brilliant. I so, did not have sexual relations no. <laughs> with that woman. And it depends on what the word is. is. It was right. a very prosperous time for us. Okay, it was. It was. Uh, I, I've, I, won't even, I won't even go there. Uh, <laughs> all right. So anyway, guys, uh, we want to thank you. You can, reach, uh, you can reach us at mma.bjj.endlife at gmail.com. On Twitter, you can find Nick at Eats Thrash. And of course... I am on Twitter, uh, our show, you can call it our show Twitter if you wish, at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life. Coming up on a future episode, we will have the lead singer of Oleander, Thomas Flowers. We will have uh, rock and roll tour manager, Chris Taylor, who is a guitarist of some note himself. We will talk rock and roll some more. We'll talk Eddie Van Halen some more, and we'll just get down and we'll find out, uh, you know, what kind of parties Tom Flowers attended before he became a Christian. Will will ask those questions, <laughs> um, and uh, and then we have some other, uh, we have some commitments for some other big guests. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but I have somebody coming up from the world of reality television that is fantastic. Um, and also, I also want to highlight before we let go of this topic, I'd like uh, everybody to check out on bloodyelbow.com Kareem Zidane because, uh, and I believe he is at Kareem Zidane Sports on Twitter, but at least at Kareem Zidane will get you there. He's brilliant and he covers a lot of different things, particularly anything going on in the Mideast. Far East, uh, and in the Muslim world of fighting, which is growing just like every other uh, part fighting. You know, we're getting fighters from all over the world. So uh, check out Kareem Zidane. Willie, we'll talk to you from the road. Yeah? Yeah, baby. I can't wait. This is going to be a fun one. Nick? I'm just going gi- to I'm just gonna give it away. Ho- ho- sorry, oh, Nick. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go for it. But I can't stand it. I can't believe you're keeping this as a surprise. I'm going to give okay. away one of go. the guests. I cannot believe you were able to get LeBron James. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Oh, I'm my God. Leave it at that. Oh, my Cleveland God. Nick. Cleveland connection. He's able to get LeBron James. <laughs> oh, my God. My first question. Uh, LeBron, uh, it's, it's, it's really great to have you on. And I, you know what? You're really good at, at, at basketball. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Like when you so, shoot it, do you yeah. know that it's gonna go in? <laughs> I'll try it. I'll try to. I would try to do something comedic with LeBron because it couldn't be serious. So I would open up with that question. So stay tuned for the LeBron James interview. <laughs> no, it's coming. Don't. It's oh coming. my god, I would die. Like one of my fa- my favorite athlete is probably LeBron James. So I would absolutely die. All right, Nick. Anything <laughs> before we go? I'm good. Yeah. It's a good one. It's been a good one. This all time. right, brother. Thank They're you very good, much. Yeah. I got to go. You kept me long. You kept me a lot longer, which is why I don't like either of you guys. But uh, <laughs> one love to Van Halen. Live forever, EVH. And um, one love to everybody. And we hope to see you down the road. Thank you for listening to MMA, BJJ, and life. <laughs>